0: Welcome to our North Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you. For further information about our church, please visit churchnorth.com or check out our social media at Church North. Today's speaker is Pastor Dave Niblock. I want to read from John chapter 21, reading from verse 24 to 25. John chapter 21. And as you get in there, I'm sure the women, the girls, all the ladies—I don't know which word to use—are excited about Tuesday night. And uh, we guys will be willing and happy to serve. And um, for all of you guys, yes, there is some guy stuff happening. Chill out. It will be happening. When's our stuff happening? How come the girls get to hang out? When are we gonna get? When do we go, When are we gonna have some bacon butties? It's coming guys, don't worry, your bacon butties will be soon. John chapter 21, verse 24 to 25, final two verses of the Gospels. It says this, this is the disciple, John, who wrote this Gospel, that's who he's talking about. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. For Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. I love the Gospels and that is what we're going to speak about over the next few weeks. You can see it behind me. The Gospels is a series that we're going to look at. We're going to take our time on this. But before we get into that, I want to ask you a question. The question is this. Do you believe in love at first sight? Put your hand up if you believe in love at first sight. Wow, there is some people. Amazing. Put your hand up if when you, marry, when you found your spouse, your married partner, don't say your boyfriend or girlfriend because that's not sealed yet. <laughs> a lot of things can happen between <laughs> put your hand up if when you are now with your spouse if like as soon as you met as soon as your first time you met them you loved them and you knew you would marry them just put your hand up in the air if that is you wow look at you spiritual people <laughs> others of you put your hand up if when you first met your spouse you're like I never want to see that person ever again we all relate differently. I remember when I first met Abs, she's not in the room because she's helping with, uh, she's into the kids' church, but when I first met Abs, I, I know the moment where I was. I remember opening a door and there she was. She had long curly hair and she had a denim jacket on and I remember opening the door and she saw me and I could see she, her knees were buckling as she saw me. And <laughs> And so I helped her up. It's quite a common thing that I had to deal with, so <laughs> just joking. If I'm honest, when we first met each other, like we we were obviously there was like attraction, but I wouldn't say that, that as soon as I met her, that's it, I'm gonna marry her, I'm gonna be with her for the rest of my life. I believe in attraction at first sight but I believe love grows as you get to know somebody. And so I do believe I can be, you can be attracted and think, yes, I'd like to see you again or yes, I'd like to see where this could develop but I don't think you can necessarily love someone in an instant. You can have lust in an instant (laughs) But there's a difference between lust and love. Love takes time. Love is a relationship that grows as you get to know the person you are loving. And so that's why we are gonna spend some time, like I've said, in the Gospels. And we're gonna take our time, we're in no rush. If this takes four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, we're fine. We're just gonna... Dwell in the gospels of the bible for a period of time sometimes i think like we're just quick to move on to the next thing like how can we keep the church entertained our job is not to entertain you that is the job of the cinema and the trampoline center our job is to teach and to help and equip the church and sometimes you can't do that in 35 minutes how many of you know that Sometimes it takes a period of time. And so we don't know how long this is going to grow, go for. I remember when my parents' church growing up, my dad was loved the book of Romans, a little bit like Tyrone Reed does. And my dad spent eight months in the book of Romans. That's every Sunday was Romans, 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 Romans. And it sounds a bit boring, but actually the church absolutely loved it. And so we're just going to spend some time in the Gospels. And I think the graphic looks cool and we... There's no point using that graphic for one week, so we're going to use it more than (laughs) one week. The Gospels, not to be confused with the Gospel. Okay, The Gospel is obviously found in the Gospels, but the Gospel is the the fact that humanity was separated from God because of our sin, and so God sends Jesus to earth. Jesus lives his life, shows us how to live our lives, dies on a cross for the sanctification of our sins, the redemption of our souls. Three days later, rises again in all power and glory so that we can share, like we spoke about last week, in that resurrection power and live our life on earth before we go to spend eternity with the Father. How many of you know that is the gospel? And we love the gospel. But we're going to spend some time in the gospels. The gospels are the first four books of the New Testament. And they tell the story of one man. His name is Jesus. One man. And they are a biography, really, of his 33 years on earth. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, I know some of you in church love reading, and so I asked a few people, who uh, uh, this week, if some of them would just bring up some of their biographies that they have read in their life, or maybe they haven't read them, but they've been on their shelves. (laughs) Some people like to have books on their shelves and actually read the books on their shelves. But these are some books that some people in our church have brought in, and uh, I wanted to show you some of the autobiographies that some people in our church have been reading. Barack Obama, Dreams from My Father. We have here, look at this, this is a classic, Nelson Mandela. Okay, A Long Walk to Freedom. Anybody read that, Nelson Mandela? A number of you have. What a fantastic book. Um, Blowing the Bloody Doors Off, Michael Caine. (laughs) Nelson Mandela (laughs) to Michael Caine. The Autobiography of Martin Luther King. How many of you know that's a book worth reading? Eric Clapton. Anybody read Eric Clapton? No. (laughs) Here we have Ian Botham, the great cricketer of England. Here we have uh, Tom Jones. (laughs) (laughs) The autobiography of Tom Jones, the singer. Here we have... Johnson Bahari, oh, what a great book this is. The Barefoot Soldier. Yeah. (laughs) Has anybody actually. (laughs) Well done, John Beale. He's the one who brought this in. I've never. I can't actually tell you what that is about, about, but it looks absolutely amazing. Okay. Michael McIntyre, A Funny Life. Hold on, you can't not applaud Nelson Mandela and then. (laughs) Michael McIntyre. Kirk Franklin My Music and My Life Mark Billy Billingham The Hard Way Adapt, Survive and Win Tyson Fury Anybody never heard of Tyson Fury? (laughs) People down here Matthew McConaughey Green Lights That's a good book Some of the women like that one Um Bear Grylls, Never Give Up, oh this is a good one, Becoming by Michelle Obama, anybody read this one, wow a number of you have read that one, seems a popular one, No Compromise, The Life Story of Keith Green, oh an absolute belter that is, the biography of James Hudson Taylor, now we're getting into some books, he was an amazing um, missionary in China, Uh, fantastic story Um, this one's called Our King Jesus is Our King but this is uh, Charles the man and the monarch revealed God save the king there he is and then the last one this is called God's Smuggler this is about the life story of brother Andrew one man's mission to change the world anybody read that that is also a fantastic book oh I've got another one here Churchill If we all brought the books I couldn't find my Jurgen Klopp one I've lost it somewhere But if we all brought our books And put them along here We would have so many books that we have read About certain people That have inspired us That have made us laugh That have helped us Whatever it may be All these books are written About the lives of these Individuals And yet none of these books and none of these people do we build our life upon. We can admire them. We can be inspired by them. We can learn from them. But these books haven't shaped the rest of human history quite like the Gospels have over the previous 2,000 years. If these books have had an impact, of course they have. All of these people have had a huge impact. But none of them have quite shaped the history of the last 2,000 years, but also the history that is to come in years to come, quite like the Gospels that we find in the living Word of God, the Holy Bible. See, the writings about Jesus haven't just set the foundation of the Christian faith. They have also reset time. They have shaped politics. They have created laws. They have helped provide foundation for education. And they have also been really the, the, the foundation for many authors who then built upon the writings of the Gospels. I'm thinking about Shakespeare and other writers that might not, scholars believe, might never have written had it not been for the Gospels and the availability to read the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. These books have established society almost and culture as a whole. And I think sometimes it's easy to have an attraction to the Gospels. Like I said at the beginning, it's sometimes easy to look at the Gospels and say, yeah, like I fancy that. I'm into the Gospels. I like the Gospels. But what we want to do is we want to fall in love. Not just with the authors. Not just with Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. We want to fall in love with the central figure of the Gospels. His name is Jesus. And that takes time. And so we can be immediately attracted to it, but to fall in love with it takes time. And so we're going to do some, spend some time. And I was thinking about this, like, why do we feel like we need to do a teaching series on the Gospels? Because we could have done a teaching series on anything. We could have plucked some things out from the sky and thought about that. We could have gone on other church's website and go, that looks good, let's just copy that. <laughs> but no, why did we choose... To spend some time teaching on the Gospels. Firstly, I think one of the reasons is because we need some good news. The Gospels is what that means it means good news. In fact, the actual translation of the Gospels means good stories. So really, we could rename this teaching series, Good Stories. That is what the gospel actually means in in its original meaning, Good Stories. And we need, how many of you know, we need in our daily life, we need some good news. We are bombarded with bad news from here, there and everywhere. In fact, what I did was, all the newspaper headlines for today, Sunday the 16th of April, Okay, they're going to come on the screen, Right now, these are the headlines that you'll find in the newspapers today. Okay, and so we have the royals on the blink brink of collapse, we have the NHS crisis deepens as nurses plan mega strike, we have live and let fly, we have breast cancer um, surgeon talking about 650 deaths under the spotlight, we talk about there's a national disgrace in that paper here, and then. Um, this other one on the Sunday Telegraph I can't read it because it's not clear enough but headlines every single day that are just depressing in fact every day when I drive our kids to school there's a shop that I drive by a news agent and I always see because it will see the, the local newspaper and they put like an advert out front to try and encourage you to buy the paper and every day there's something about some form of incident tragedy major in made something bad they never have any good news ever you know on the on the on the billboard trying to encourage you to draw you into the paper it is bad news after bad news and so one of the reasons we want to do this teaching series is because we need some good news the gospels give you hope the gospels shed light into this world the second reason we want to do a teaching series on the gospels is because we need Jesus at the center of our theology A theology that is simply pure knowledge of deep biblical understanding without Jesus in it is no gospel, is no theology at all. You might just have a lot of head knowledge, you might be able to recite the prophets, and you might be able to understand the minor prophets, and you might be an expert in the Psalms, all good things. But Jesus is at the center and it has to be at the center of our theology. Look what Paul writes to the church in Galatia, in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into, into all confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody's preaching to you a gospel other than what you have accepted, let them be under God's curse. Paul is being strict. He's basically saying the gospel is about Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is found in the writings and the teachings that are available to us. And he has to be at the center of our theology. Third reason I think we need to do a teaching series is because we need to use the Gospels as the blueprint of how to live our lives as true followers of Jesus. It has to be the blueprint. I could be encouraged by you and I could read a book by somebody else and I could watch something on YouTube, but nothing quite equips me or tells me or helps me how to live as a true follower of Christ quite like the Gospels. The Gospels, it's not just an idea. It's not just an option. It presents to us the way to live as children of God. And so I'm encouraging us as a church to be led by the Gospels, not to be led by simply everybody's human opinion, but to be led by the Gospels that are written in the Word of God. And so today is a little bit of a different Sunday, it's a bit more of an introduction to this, it's a little bit more of a setting us up and a preparing us for what is to come. And so we have four Gospels, I'm sure you know this, but I'm quickly go through it. okay? We have Matthew, we have Mark, we have Luke and we have John. Don't worry, as weeks develop we will get a little bit more richer in some of this stuff. But Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, each gospel was written by a different person to a different group of people for a different purpose. Different person, different group, for a different purpose. Okay and so real quickly, Matthew. Matthew was a Jewish man writing to a Jewish audience. And the purpose of his writing was to convince the Jews that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah that the Old Testaments had prophesied about. And so Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, he uses lots of Old Testament scripture. And um, he uses that um, to, to, to persuade the Jews that Jesus was the fulfilment of 330 Old Testament prophecies. The old, Obviously, the Jews were based in the Old Testament and the Torah, and so and that they would have understood the Psalms and the book of Isaiah, which was, which was at that time. And so Matthew says, how am I going to persuade these Jewish people to understand Jesus is the Messiah? I'll bring you back to the books that you know. And so Matthew contains a lot of that. The book of Mark is different. Mark was written by a Jewish man, but he was writing not to a Jewish audience, but primarily to a Roman audience. And so his purpose was not to convince the Jews. His purpose was to convince the Romans that Jesus is God. It is the shortest gospel because Mark decided to admit a whole lot of things. It's like way shorter than the other three. It's like a concise gospel. And he admits all the things because the reason he did that was because he knew a lot of the things that the other gospels were writing, a Roman citizen couldn't care less about. A Roman couldn't care less who was Jesus' daddy and who was Jesus' granddaddy. Okay. And so he got rid of the whole genealogy. He got rid of the whole, you know, past of how Jesus where he came from. Matt Mark doesn't even bother talking about where he was born, doesn't even go into the nativity scene. He gets rid of a lot of Jesus' teachings. He gets rid of Old Testament references. Why? Because he knew a Roman would be more impressed not by a man who could teach, but by a God who could perform miracles and healings and raise the dead. And so Mark, his gospel, primarily just talks about the things that Jesus did and how awesome he was. We then have the book of Luke. Mark, however, just quickly, is overloaded with stories of miracles and healings. So we have then we have the book of Luke and Matthew, Mark, Luke are what are called the synoptic gospels. Okay, They are three gospels which share a lot of the same stories and a lot of the same circumstances and situations. And so they are three and I'll come to the fourth one. But Luke was a Gentile man and he's writing for a Gentile audience. What is a Gentile audience? It is a non-Jewish audience. Now a lot of Jews consider these groups to be rejects or to be outcasts, and so lepers and prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors and Samaritans who the Jews would not have associated with, you find in Luke's gospel, Luke majors on these types of people. Why? Because he is convincing the Gentiles that Jesus was the God of the Jew, but he is also the God of the Gentile, and he offers grace to everybody and so he includes stories in the gospel of Luke that are not found in any other gospel. They include the prodigal son. They include the prostitute who washed Jesus' feet with her tears. They include the tax collector Zacchaeus. He includes the good Samaritan. He's basically saying Jesus didn't just come for the high aristocratic Jew, but he comes for everyone. And so here's the gospel of Luke for you who feel like you're not included in the story. How awesome is this? And so they are the three synoptic gospels. The fourth gospel we know is the book of John. John is unique in that 93% of the gospel of John is unique to the book of John and cannot be found in any other gospel. And he is a Jewish man writing to a general audience and he is convincing people that Jesus is God. How does he do that? He has seven I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am a door. I am a good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. He then shows eight miracles. And John basically bases his book on these seven statements and on these eight miracles. And just in summary, if any of you want to see, there's a little image on the screen which we've made which just helps you understand the pictures of Jesus. And so in Mark, he is a king. In, Mark, in Matthew, he is a king. In Mark, he is a servant. In Luke, he is portrayed as a man. And in John, he is portrayed as God. We've already spoken about who the people who were reading those books would have been for. And then the key features... Are the sermons in the book of Matthew, the miracles in the book of Mark, the parables in the book of Luke, and the teachings in the book of John. Notice this, the four gospels complement one another, they don't contradict one another. And so these four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they aren't journalists trying to get a scoop on a story. Not trying, they're not trying to make money, they're not trying to do clickbait, they're not trying to draw you in with some big headline. They are full of theology, full of a conviction of truth, and full of the Spirit of God. And so don't treat the gospels how you treat a journalist. Or how you treat someone who's simply writing maybe a a biography. These are different in terms of their root and their depth in the theology of God. Which was we believe given to them by the spirit of God. And so even though they were written to specific audiences back then. The question all of us have to ask ourselves today. Myself included and you, is this question. Do I believe the Gospels to be true? Do I believe the Gospels to be true? Because when I read these books, do I believe this to be true? Do I believe this to be true? Do I believe this to be true? true? So when I read these books, there's obviously an understanding. Well, if it's if it's if it's if it's there, it clearly happened. If it's written about him, then it clearly happened. But sometimes the gospels or any part of the Bible, if we're honest, we can go, did mm, it didn't really happen? But yet, books like this, we like fully believe it. And there's probably some stuff in here, if we're honest, which might not be true. Or which might be slightly exaggerated. Or which might be a little bit of a twist on the story. But do you believe the Gospels to be true? Because we all at times, every single one of us at times, have to deal with questions and have to deal with doubts when it comes to Scripture. There are some Scriptures, if I'm honest, that I do not understand. Lots of them that I don't understand. There are some Scriptures that I'm like, why does it say that? And then why does it then... Say that. There are passages in the Old Testament where I think, I'm not sure how I can read that on a Sunday morning in church. (laughs) There's lots of scriptures like that. There are some things, some questions, and when I get to heaven, I'm going to try and sit down with some of the authors if I can get an appointment (laughs) and go, tell me (laughs) about the book of Job. (laughs) Because that The book of Job, like, I have questions about things like a seven-day creation. I have questions about, was that 724 hours? Or is it more of a picture? Were Adam and Eve literally two human beings that were started by God and just developed from there? Or are they a metaphor of humanity? So many. I personally, if you want my opinion in the middle of this message... I, I, I take scripture as it is. I think the more you begin to go, wee, 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 the more confused you become. And so I take it as it is. If it wasn't 724 hours, if it was well, 736 hours, if it was 716 hours, if it was 748 days, to be honest, I don't really care that much. It doesn't change my whole life. What I do want to know is that God created the heavens and the earth. If he did it in 724 hours, great. If he did it in 723 hours, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. If he did it in 7 heavenly days, whatever it might be, tickety-boo, I don't mind. Okay, Don't get your knickers in a twist about certain things. But I do have questions about some of those things. I do have questions about Noah and his ark. And it doesn't help when you watch certain films. Because <laughs> you start to believe Hollywood more than you believe Genesis. <laughs> but you have to build faith sometimes to believe these things. And I can understand why sometimes you'd be in a workplace and someone asks you a question about something in the Bible. It, it sounds bonkers, it sounds crazy. For you to actually believe that. why? That's why it takes faith. takes faith. In fact, I was reading something by Nicky Gumbel this week. Who's the author of the Alpha Course. um, And just an amazing vicar from HCB in London. Amazing man of God. And, And he says sometimes, he goes, you know, we need... A lot of people say you need to believe and you need to believe and you need to believe. And then you'll have faith. He goes, actually in his circumstances, he needed faith. And then he began to believe. Sometimes we're like, well, I need, to, I need to see, I need to see, I need to see, and then I will have faith. But yet he stepped out in faith and began to believe what was written and what he was reading was, in fact, true. But the Gospels, this was a man, Jesus, who walked like me, had a life to live like me, and so when I read Noah's Ark or when I read Seven Day Creation or when I read Daniel and his lines, Den or when I read aspects of the Old Testament I, I'm a little bit scratching my head a little bit more going I don't know how that happens but the Gospels I'm like yeah I can relate to this. Jesus was despised. Jesus was rejected. Jesus was disliked. Jesus was like thrown out from certain places. Jesus was adored at times. Some of teaching I'm like yeah I can relate to this and so I have Reasons, and I believe, and I believe you share many of these reasons why the Gospels would be true. And let me give you real quick reasons why many scholars believe the Gospels to be true. The first one is this, and I think this is a good one. Christianity actually began in Jerusalem. Now you might think, why is that significant? That was the very place where people knew Jesus. That was the very place where Jesus resided. It is the least likely place to thrive if it's a lie, if Christianity is to thrive, it's least likely to thrive in a place where people thought, where people didn't even believe in Jesus. But it thrived there because they saw, witnessed what had happened. The second reason many scholars believe the Gospels are true is because the disciples had nothing to gain. Most early Christians were marked by suffering, there was no profit in being a disciple. <laughs> Why die for something that isn't true? Why would you give your whole life up for something that is not true? And that is what the apostles did. Third reason why many people believe the Gospels are true. Because Jesus' own family ended up being converted. Now you might think that's no big deal. But yet his own family think he is crazy. In Nazareth, which is about 100 to 400 people. In Mark 3 verse 21, look at this scripture. Mark 3 verse 21. When Jesus' family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said he is out of his mind. (laughs) That is the family of Jesus basically saying we need to get a grip of this guy (laughs) because he is out of his mind. But yet after the resurrection, his brother James becomes one of the chief apostles. His family went from kind of not understanding who Jesus was and Jesus even says at a point, he goes, my fam- they're not my brother that's not my mother that's not my brother like I ain't coming out there was clearly like some tensions but yet they were converted to Jesus himself and fourthly Jesus fulfills the biblical prophecies from hundreds and thousands of years previous that a Messiah would come he fulfilled that and fifthly sorry The women first discovered the resurrection and shared their testimony. People think, why is that significant? It is significant because women were so low on the social ladder, their testimony was considered worthless. And so why would every gospel say that women discovered the empty tomb first? Why would they pick a witness that no one would believe because it was true and even the most hardened atheists as I've done my research this week even the most hardened atheists have to admit that a man called Jesus existed and a man called Jesus died an excruciating death on a cross many of the atheists don't like what came next and that's what takes faith but there's kind of no doubt that this man existed and so I take it as gospel I take the good news as truth and so yes we believe he was a man scholars believe he was a man atheists even believe he was a man the question you now need to ask yourself today the second question you need to ask yourself is this is he God? Because if he's not, he can be another book. If he's not God, he can be another one of these. But if he is God, it changes everything. If he is God, I base my life on that. If he is God, let's build society upon that. If he is God, let's build education and culture upon that. If he is God, (laughs) it literally changes the whole course of humanity. And if he is God, the Gospels aren't just something we read. If he is God, the Gospels is where we live. Because only when you live there can you experience it. Because belief, yeah, I believe, I believe, I believe, moves to experience. Belief moves to experience. Because when I read this autobiography or this biography of the king, I read it and I think, and I think, wow, oh, interesting, mm, ponder, I think. But when I read the gospels, I read or I listen and I receive it's a difference when I read these books I read it and think when I read these books I read it and I receive how do the Beatitudes change my day? How does the healing of the lady with the issue of blood give me faith? How does the cross and the story of the cross affect my relationship through communion that we do together? As I read the Gospels, as I listen or watch or talk about the Gospels, I don't just put it down, something is then deposited within me. John puts it like this the word who was Jesus became flesh and I'm encouraging us as a church that the Gospels become flesh in our lives that the Gospels become flesh that we don't just read it but we begin to live it we don't just listen to it but we begin to receive it we don't just highlight it and do your verse for the day but begin to put into practice what we've just read so I encourage you as I close. I encourage you with this this week live in the good news step out of the bad news and live in the good news live in the good news of the gospels of Jesus the second thing I encourage you to do is this be the good news (laughs) chances are your work colleagues aren't reading and are not listening to the Gospels. Chances are they're probably not. And so when you are in your workplace, when you're in your college, when you're in your classroom, guess what? You become the Gospel. You become the good news to them. You might think, how do I do that? You include the outcast. You pray for the sick, you speak the truth and you put into practice the gospels of Jesus Christ. Some people say to me, why do we never see any healings anymore? Question, when was the last time you prayed for someone who was sick? Yeah, but we never see this and we never see that. When was the last time you prayed for that? When was the last time you laid your hands on somebody and said, I believe in the name of Jesus, you can get well? There's no point complaining about us not seeing things in the Gospels if we don't have the faith to try it out. If we don't have the faith to lay on hands and speak the truth and begin to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. So we live in the good news. We be the good news. And third and finally we share the good news. Man, we love sharing bad news. How quickly do my kids love to tell me when one of them does something wrong? You hear this footsteps running throughout the house. Mom, dad, dad. Mom. It's like a race. And you know what the truth is? We don't just stop doing that as kids. We also do that as adults. When we get some bad news, have you heard? We love to share the bad news, but how quickly do we love to share the good news? How quickly do we love to share the gospels? The good news is too good to keep to ourselves, and one of the reasons we don't share it. One of the reasons we don't share it if I'm being honest with myself first and foremost is because we don't live in it. I cannot share what I do not have. I can only share with you what is in me. When someone goes on holiday and they go to a restaurant all they want to tell you about (laughs) is their holiday (laughs) or that restaurant why? because the experience they had became so powerful it had to be shared and I'm believing over the next few weeks that the experience we may have in this may become so powerful that it has to be shared because that is exactly what Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are doing their experience has been so powerful I've got to share it I've got to tell somebody about it so don't just keep it locked up in a leather book or in an iPhone but let the Gospels come to life in Jesus name let the Gospels come to life in Jesus name Amen and amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We are going to close this service. What we are going to be doing is we're going to read the Gospels together. And we're going to let you know about that real soon. We've put together a reading plan with you version, and it's going to be available for you to read. But for some of you like, well, I don't want to wait for that. Delve in right now. Get stuck in to the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John over the next three months as we focus on the Word of God get stuck into those Gospels and then we will share this reading plan with you as soon as it becomes available. But I hope that has been helpful to some of you today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Jesus, we thank you for your life, for your words, for your miracles. over the next few weeks as we delve into what you said what you did what you didn't do I pray that the Gospels would come alive and become so rich in our lives that we would live in that place that we would be the Gospels we would be the good news and we would so want to share it in Jesus name I pray